social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I'm super honored to have Dory Clark as a guest on the show. Dory is the author of Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future, and the forthcoming Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It. A former presidential campaign spokeswoman, she is a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. Recognized as a branding expert by the Associated Press and Fortune, Clark is a marketing strategy consultant and speaker for clients including Google, Microsoft, Yale University, Fidelity, and the World Bank. And I feel so lucky and grateful to have her on my show today. So welcome, Dory. Carrie, thank you so much. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on. And I just, you know, in reading some of your background and your your story, it's just really fascinating. So tell me, tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, it actually started um, with some career setbacks, and uh, I, I think that one of the defining things in my career, as as it is in perhaps many of your listeners, is the process of overcoming that. I actually started out as a journalist, and about a year into my career, right after graduate school, I got laid off and lost my job, mm. and I had to reinvent myself. Mm. And so over the, the course of the next decade, I um, feel very lucky. I was able to do a lot of cool things, uh, you know, some of them that you mentioned. I was a presidential campaign spokesperson. I ran a nonprofit, made a documentary film, and in the process, learned a lot about how one uh, really does handle the, the transitions and the reinvention. And so I launched eight years ago my consulting business and uh, doing marketing strategy, and I wrote my first book, Reinventing You, about that process. So tell me about that process. How does one reinvent themselves? Because I would imagine um, now people need to reinvent themselves more than ever. It's not like people are in careers or in jobs for so many years. It's a constant sort of evolution. How do you do that? You're exactly right. I, I think a lot of people, when they think of reinvention, they think of some huge capital R reinvention where, you know, maybe you're changing careers or you're changing fields. But I, I like to uh, impress upon people that one of the best ways that you can build in career insurance for yourself, no matter what you want to be doing, is to reinvent yourself with a lowercase r all the time mm. and to bring innovation into your life, to be open to new learning and new ways of trying things to keep yourself fresh. And so basically, I describe reinvention as taking place in a three-step process. The first one is getting clear on what your current brand is. I think a lot of people assume they know, you know, oh, yeah, I know what, what people think of me, but we, a lot of us have blind spots. And so this is where advice from friends and uh, trusted colleagues really can help to get a sense of where you're starting. When you're looking for those blind spots, because I definitely have experienced that in my own, in my own life, how do you get the candid feedback about what your personal brand is from, from friends? Is it the, the, just asking the people you really trust? 
Well, there's there's a couple of ways of doing it. Um, the the first way, and this is actually a, a story that I tell in Reinventing You. Uh, you know, when I and when I tell this, about half the people think it is fantastic and can't wait to do it, and half the <laughs> half the people just like run screaming because they say, "No, I could never do it." But uh, there was a woman that I ran across named Mary Skelton Roberts, who I profile in the book, and she was kind of at a career inflection point, and she decided uh, a, a friend actually offered to do this, and she jumped on it where the friend said, Mary, I will do a focus group for you. And it's just like you would for a, for a product. Like if Procter & Gamble was launching a new shampoo, this friend moderated a focus group where Mary invited about a dozen of her close friends and you know colleagues, just different people from wow. parts of her life. She had to sit in the corner. She couldn't ask questions unless they were clarifying questions. She just had to listen and take it in. But her friend uh, spent a couple of hours asking people questions like, if you didn't know what Mary's job was, what would you guess it was? And what do you think Mary's greatest strengths are? And what do you wish you would see Mary do more of? And she said it was the most enlightening professional experience of her life. I think so that is so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> okay, so that's the first step. You mentioned two more, right? That, that's right. So the, the, basically, you know, the, 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 quick, the second quick version of this for people particularly if they're the kind who, who want to run screaming from doing a focus group right. about themselves, is uh, it's what I call the three-word exercise. Okay. And that is, you know, really simple, takes two minutes. You basically, over the course of a week, take about half a dozen of your friends and colleagues and say to them, look, quick question for you. If you had to describe me in only three words, what would they be? And, you know, it's very simple. It doesn't take very long, but you are going very quickly to see patterns in what they are saying to you. And you can begin to get a sense of what the, the biggest trends are. You know, what, what do people find most memorable or most noticeable about you? Now, the trick is people are not going to tell you the bad stuff. Right. They're only going to tell you the good stuff. Right. You, you know, that's, that's good. It's helpful to have that information. But the place where you have to be, uh, we'll call it intellectually strong, is if you are getting feedback that is, that is you know, really positive in one area, you need to be willing to ask yourself, is this so much of a strength that it actually bleeds over into being a weakness? Mm. So, for instance, if you keep hearing, oh, you're so strategic, you're so visionary, it's a wonderful thing to be. But you have to at least indulge the question, is it possible I am so visionary that I am not that good on the tactical elements, that I'm not that good on the follow-through of the details. And you have to look at that to see if it's true. Oh, that's fascinating. I love that. Okay, so part of reinvention is really knowing your brand and knowing who you really are. Exactly. Okay. Getting clear on the starting place. Got it. And so then the, the second two pieces, um, you know, the, the second one is creating that future vision for yourself of, you know, what do you want your brand to be? Yeah. And as you're doing that, you are probably, because this is true for most humans, going to perceive a distance between where you are now and where you're going. And so you have to develop a, a bit of a, an action plan. Uh, so how do you close that gap? Do you need to get more training? Do you need to you know, meet more of a different kind of person and have those brought mm -hmm. into your life, that mm -hmm. sort of thing? Um, so you do that. And then the third part, the final part, is what I call living your brand. Because basically a lot of people think you know, that your personal brand is just your elevator pitch. Oh, your personal brand, it's what you say about yourself. But that is only the tip of the iceberg because your personal brand is about everything that people perceive about you. And so you really need to make sure that you are very authentic, very consistent, because everything you do 
leads people to understand and perceive what your brand is. So it's about integrating all the elements of your life together. And so, Dory, the advent of social media must have drastically changed how a personal brand is conveyed and or uh, just seen overall. It must have changed the personal brand completely. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's done a couple of things. I mean, the first one is um, really helpful, which is that it has given individuals far more control, the ability to control their personal brand, because instead of, of just relying on um, other people's word of mouth or things like that, or relying on gatekeepers like publishers to determine whether your ideas are worthy of dissemination, you now have the ability, whether it's through a LinkedIn profile or a Twitter account or a blog to put out there exactly what you want to put out there. So it's a a really profound type of empowerment. Um, The other piece, however, that we need to keep in mind is that a lot of people have yet to adjust to the fact Mm -hmm. that your personal brand now exists on two parallel tracks. One is the same as it's always been, which is the, the real world, what do people say about you who know you, who work with you, et cetera. But the other part is your digital reputation, which is just as powerful because there are people who you might not have ever met, but they might be considering you for a job application. They might be thinking about doing business with you. And the first thing they're going to do is look you up online and see what's there. Right. And so how careful do we need to be? Is Is there an element of needing to be so protected that you're less authentic? Or do you think you can be authentic but just need to be slightly cautious? What's your approach to that? Yeah, there are a couple different ways of looking at it. I mean, obviously, at a very baseline level, and I think I think almost every professional understands this, that, you know, we now need to uh, to take the approach, which, you know, when I was working on the presidential campaign, we used to have these strict lectures, you know, we'd mm-hmm. call in all of our interns, and we would say to them, you know, anything you do could end up on the front page of the New York Times. And, you know, (laughs) what what is it going to say? Is it going to say, you know, random teenager does underage drinking? No, it's going to say Howard Dean intern does underage drinking. And we cannot have that happen. (laughs) Wow. And so, you know, but I, I think people get that, right? That you can't do something stupid and put it on, on, uh, online and expect that there won't be repercussions. But, the, this part that I think fewer people understand is that they think that it's safer to have nothing. You know, they, they, they're so worried about having bad things, they think, well, maybe it's better just to, to not engage. But the truth is, these days, it is getting uh, to look suspicious right. if there is nothing about you online. Right. I, I consulted for a company that was hiring a senior executive, and when they did a Google search and found basically no information about him, they became so suspicious that he was fabricating his resume mm. because he had worked overseas and they thought, wait a minute, this is fishy. They they dug in double time into his references. They looked at him so much harder because they were really worried there was a problem. So it's not just about not having bad stuff. It's about proactively making sure there's good stuff that represents you in a professional light. And so do you have any tips for doing that? What are good good ways to get you know, really have an online presence that's authentic, but really also very positive? Yeah. I mean, now we we actually have some great possibilities. I mean, everyone, hopefully, who's listening to this already has, uh, you know, 
LinkedIn profile yes. and you know basic stuff like that. Yes. But above and beyond that, what I would say is um, you know now there is, as you know, the functionality that's been rolled out so that it, not just the elite cadre of influencers like mm-hmm. your handsome husband, <laughs> but uh, but you know regular people can blog on LinkedIn. Yes. And I think that is fantastic because it means that in that moment when uh, when people are looking at you, when they're saying, hmm, should I hire him or her, they are able to see an example of how you think about your industry right in that moment. And it also means that if you blog on LinkedIn, rather than having the existential commitment of starting your own, say, WordPress blog, where you have to keep the content coming really regularly, for LinkedIn, it's great if you blog regularly, but it's not like people are going to look at it and say, oh, well, she hasn't posted in three months. Right. An abandoned blog. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. So would you say that LinkedIn is your favorite in terms of personal branding and the opportunity is available, or are other networks really important as well? I, I think that, that LinkedIn is uh, is what I would consider the baseline. I think yep. that if people are doing one thing, that is the thing they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you want to uh, get the A+, plus, <laughs> you know, if you want to go above and beyond. <laughs> you want to be a, st- a Dory Clark star student. That's right, exactly. (laughs) Then I I would say that branching out into other uh, social networks is terrific. My personal runner-up favorite is Twitter Mm -hmm. uh, because of the incredible ability to connect directly with opinion leaders, thought leaders. Um, You know, most people, I mean, you know, we're not talking about the people with a million followers like Lady Gaga or Justin Bieber, but, but most people, I mean, even the CMO of a publicly traded corporation, they're usually running their own Twitter accounts. And you can build a relationship with them as an individual that you would not really be able to do if you were just trying to blindly email them like everybody else. Okay, I got that. I want to ask my friends, my family, my trusted everybody about who I am, right? And I know who I am. And then, then we've done some visioning and looked at some goal setting and who I want to be. How do I get there? And how do I, what steps can I take to start developing a brand that I really want uh, to be a part of who I am. Well, I'll, I'll mention a couple of strategies, and you know, there's there's many of them, so we can go into as much detail as you like. But two off the top of my head that I think are powerful and are not used enough, uh, you know, because they they really are uh, tools that can be useful for so many people. Um, one that that I like to suggest to people is what you can the power of what you can do in terms of skills development and networking through charitable involvement. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people think that when they're developing their skills, that there's really only two options. They think, well, you know, I can do stuff for my job, or maybe I can go back to school. And, you know, those are both perfectly good options, but they also take a lot of time, and in some cases they take a lot of money. Um, One point that I really try to drive home in reinventing you is that you can get most of the skills that you need for free by just being strategic and taking on stuff on nights and weekends that you actually care about. So, for instance, I I tell the story about a woman named Karen Turr, who uh, was a young woman. Um, She was in her early 20s when she became a board member of, uh, actually, it was a nonprofit that I ran, the Massachusetts Bicycle Coalition. And she, over, over this period of a decade, was able to reinvent herself and build a career for herself in the fundraising and development space not on the strength of what she was doing in her day job, but because of all of the skills that she learned through being a mass bike volunteer. And it was impressive enough that she got hired by a university to do fundraising for them and was ultimately able to start her own business. Wow. 
I love that tip. All right, give me one more. All right. So the other one, you know, that I that I really uh, just you know want to to mention the power of is strategic leadership opportunities. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I mean, we all know from the time you know we're little kids, uh, everybody says, "Oh, be a leader. It's so great. You know, run for student council or whatever." But I, I think people don't really think about why. And the the main thing that that's important here, and I uh, I have a whole section on this in reinventing you as well is the idea that it is far more powerful to go deep in a limited number of organizations than it is to go wide. Mm. If you have the choice to be a member of 10 organizations or a leader of two, you should always be the leader of two because people literally look at you differently when you're a leader. It's a psychologist called a phenomenon, social proof, and it gives you a kind of credibility that is exponentially more valuable and important than, you know, whatever amount of effort you're putting into it. Ooh, Dory, I love that tip. It's a practical, easy tip that people can follow about instead of 10 organizations, be a leader in two. I, I absolutely love that. And I want everyone to learn all the tips when they read Reinventing You. Now, I, we talked a lot about good strategies to do. Can you tell me a little bit about a mistake that people make typically when doing their personal branding? Yeah, absolutely, Carrie. The biggest mistake that I see again and again when it comes to personal branding is that people neglect their narrative. Um, They assume that other people are just going to intuitively grasp what transition they're wanting to make and why they want to make it and how their old skills can apply in this new context. And the truth is, most people are really not paying that close attention to us. And, you know, they've, they've got other concerns, they have other ideas. And they may not actually be connecting the dots properly about your background and what you can really bring to this new realm. So you have to make sure that they get it and that they, uh, that you are able to tell a really good, short, succinct story about how everything you've done in the past helps you perform even better in this new endeavor. You know, what is it you're bringing to the table? If you can make that crystal clear for people, then you have just made your life so much easier because you're not, rel- you're not outsourcing your story right. to other people. You're, you're giving them the information and they'll say, oh, okay, great. And then they can become your ambassadors. Awesome. And so I know your next book, Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It, is coming out in 2015, right? Yes. Awesome. So tell me about where you got the breakthrough idea for this book. Oh, thank you. Well, in a lot of ways, I think of Stand Out as being the, the kind of 201 to Reinventing You's 101. Um, it's, it's very much a continuation of the same ideas. Reinventing You is meant for people who are in the process of getting to where they want to go in life. Maybe they want to change their careers or change something about their jobs and so they need to reinvent themselves to do it. Maybe they're uh, in a job they love now, but they, they feel like other people aren't really properly grasping their value or aren't properly appreciating them, and they need to make sure that other people get it. Um, that's, that's who Reinventing You is aimed at. For Stand Out, it is a sequel in that you know once you have successfully reinvented yourself, once you're in a place where you really feel like, you know what, I, you know, I love this job or I love this industry, you know, this is where I want to be, the, the question then becomes, how do you become known as the best in the business? Mm. How do you become known as someone that people should really listen to your ideas? And that's what we talk about in Stand Out is how to, how to become recognized as an expert in your field. Oh, that sounds really, really exciting. And when is that out in 2015? 
It is uh, coming out April 21st, 2015, Ooh. but it's already available for pre-sale on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, so that is very exciting. <laughs> now, Dory, that is the same week as baby Kirpin is set to be born. So this oh, is like a goodness. match made in heaven. I Ho- think so. Hopefully he will stand out. Yeah, there's no question. I think, I hope, I hope and think you probably will. So, okay, so tell me about you've obviously had this tremendous success in in reinventing yourself and really having this incredible, you know, diverse sort of career. Tell me about what some of the biggest challenges are that you've faced um, in your road to where you are today. Oh, yes. I've, I've definitely faced a lot of them. I mean, in particular, um, early on, you know, I, I really think that, uh, that persistence was, was the, you know, mm. the only thing that got me through. I mentioned at the beginning that I had my newspaper job and got laid off from it. Uh, besides that, um, you know, after, after I worked in newspapers, I settled into a, a career doing uh, politics. You know, work, I was uh, a press secretary on a gubernatorial campaign. I was uh, the New Hampshire spokesperson for Howard Dean's presidential campaign, and uh, we lost both of those races too. So uh, we had, you know, the the electoral defeats. Yeah. Uh, even before I became uh, a journalist, I had been hoping to get a doctorate in literature, and I got turned down by every doctoral doctoral wow. program that I applied for. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, I, I think animating my journey was uh, was this feeling that look you know the, for some reason these people are not really appreciating what i have to offer and uh, and frankly it made me mad yeah. it makes me mad for anyone when we have talent that is not recognized and so i'm i'm writing these books because i want other people to be able to have uh, a little bit of a roadmap, a little bit of a crib sheet so that they can look at it. And if someone's not really getting what they have to offer, hopefully they can try some of these strategies to make people take note because there are some great ideas out there. Uh, there's, there are some contributions waiting to be made, and, uh, and I want people to be able to make them. I absolutely love that, Dory, and I hope that all of our social ladies check you out over at doryclark.com or follow you on Twitter at Dory Clark. And I I just think you're an amazing voice for uh, women and people in general who want and need to reinvent themselves in the process of constant reinvention, I think, is, is genius. So thanks, Dory, for being on. Thank you so much, Gary. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin. CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.